0: Hey, this is Romancing the Zone, a podcast about a podcast about boys playing tabletop games. I'm Nell Bailey. And I'm Ann Kern. Let's roll. (laughs) Who the is a
1: two? Well, um Yeah, there's not, you can't really, you can't really do anything with a two. I mean, it, it just sort of is, isn't it?
0: It just sort of is. At least it's not a critical miss. That is true. There's always that, a little tiny silver lining. You know, maybe it's, maybe it's like this episode. It took us all by surprise. <laughs> right? We just yeah, have a roll yeah. with it.
1: We we will snatch victory from the jaws of, well, a two. Love
0: it. <laughs> So at least, you know, this was a pleasant surprise, though.
1: Mm-hmm. And and speaking of being taken by surprise, I imagine Oof. we start out this episode with Argo being <laughs> taken by surprise.
0: Rolling twos, getting surprises, waking up suddenly in a bed that you didn't fall asleep in, and you're moving, and it smells salty. Even as soon as he said the bed was moving, I was mm-hmm. like, we're on a boat.
1: Yeah, well, either you're on a boat or there's an earthquake. Those are really your two options.
0: <laughs> or you're being cradled by a giant. <laughs> Which you always hope. I
1: do like that one better. Yeah, I like that you as know, a possibility.
0: <laughs> you hope for the day. But he is. He's on the sea. The other boys aren't here. It's just him. He's got all the citrusy ones. <laughs> yeah.
1: I love that the first detail, like really the first detail we get about this space is there's a huge basket of citrus fruit.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, thank goodness. I mean, it sounds delicious.
1: That's how you know this is ostensibly at least a good dream a or good? hallucination yeah. or illusion or whatever it is and not a bad one. Exactly. This is favorable.
0: And he sees this painting of his mom. Where So now we get a description of Shabri. Mm -hmm. And she sounds lovely. It is interesting to hear the way Clint describes her. Like, he really wants her to come across as very, not soft, but approachable, likable,
1: personable. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, even if if she was a, a tough lady, she was still his mom, of course. You know, so I, I like it makes that. sense yeah. that he would that he would identify those traits about her first, and then be like, oh yeah, and also she has a giant sword or whatever. You know, sure. it's not the first thing he sees.
0: <laughs> and she's not the only painting. We see this other one that's hung above the bed of <laughs> the the kraken bringing the Mariah into port. Was that mm-hmm. what it was?
1: Yeah. Yeah, so so Argo seeing himself, which, I mean, I don't, see, well, there's what, not really a good yeah. way to test this. Like, would you know right. that what it was a painting do? of you older, like, and how would you um, respond to that? I, that's a very good question. I feel like, because my vision for
0: myself when I'm older is occasionally, does anybody else do this where, like, you'll see an older person and you're like, that's... What that's the energy I'm hoping to um, <laughs> to capture when I'm of that age? Like for instance, I remember seeing <laughs> I was driving past a strip mall and this was years and years ago, but I remember seeing this older man who's like in a nice button-down shirt, nice slacks, and who I assume is his wife walking with him. And she's wearing gold tight pants and like some (laughs) blousey, big sleeve shirt and like has her like giant glasses on. I'm like, that is the energy. So I'm like, maybe if I saw somebody who maybe had sort of my features and was bringing out this like, I'm an old woman, I don't care what anybody says energy, maybe I would assume it was me. Yeah, And then the reaction is either like, was I in a coma? Do I actually look like that? Is this just a vision of the future? What do you think?
1: Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I reject the concept of aging. I, I don't believe in it. Mm. So <laughs> that's it. where I'm at, which I'm sure is extremely emotionally healthy. I but, support um, it entirely. Yeah, I mean, I, I think everybody hopes that if they have scars, that they're going to be cool scars. It's, this know. one's cool. Yeah. That's really the goal. And and now I am <laughs> assuming that Argo at all times wears gold pants and that he is wearing gold <laughs> pants in this portrait. That's how he knows. Even, even in the absence of other supporting evidence. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's how he knows it's him. He's got the, the very piratey sleeves, of course, gold mm-hmm. pants. He's like, oh, that's definitely me. Yeah. Got some some gray in my hair. Which I really think, because I just kept assuming—I don't remember if we got this for sure—that he has blue hair. So I'm like, "Ooh, you add some silvery into that blue, Mm -hmm. girl. It's a look. I'm—I'm digging this." And he does do the the smart thing immediately. Let me find a reflective surface. Exactly. Make sure that it is me.
1: Yeah, I mean, I have to support Argo. So he knows that he's, like, the Kraken now. Yeah. And that he looks cool and everything. Yeah. But his primary reactions in this moment, aside from, like, oh, well, this is the Mariah and I've I've been here before and I have good associations with this place. Yeah. Is, oh, my God, I lost my youth. Understandable. <laughs> I lost my chance to be at the peak <laughs> of my powers. <laughs> And then also when he sees uh, he sees these orders from Fitzroy <gasps> his that his first reaction is I can't believe he's been promoted again. He gave himself another
0: damn promotion. <laughs> this guy can't be stopped. <laughs> uh Clint you're very good on your toes. But also, yes, immediately more intrigued to find out about this title of The Stormbringer. Excuse me.
1: It's very cool as a
0: title. It's a good one. It's like that cool scar on his face. We've got mm-hmm. a cool title from Fitzroy, wherever he is.
1: Yeah, I mean, they did all get their cool names, huh? They did. I guess. Got the Kraken, Stormbringer. We did not foresee the Kraken, but I guess Limelad had to
0: level up at some point.
1: Yeah, that was like the junior level name. It's like when when you're, you know, at the lower level of the Boy Scouts or something, which I don't actually remember. Like a cub and then whatever. Or yeah.
0: And like there's brownies and daisies if you're in the Girl Scouts. Mm -hmm. So the Limelad is like his brownie name.
1: How long do you have to stay in the Girl Scouts to be a Kraken?
0: How long? That's a good question.
1: <laughs> I, we, I would have we... stayed in if I, if that was an option. Yeah.
0: Who, if you stayed in the Girl Scouts long enough to become a Kraken, let us know how long it took you, please.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but Argo has also been promoted, aside from getting the cool name, because uh-huh. this first mate or this person uh-huh. who he instantly knows is his first mate comes in and he finds out that he's an admiral now, which is I not know. half bad.
0: Hey, I'll take it. And that they're uh, coming upon whatever group of what were they? I think they're... they call them seditionists initially. Seditionists. That's yeah. it. They're coming upon this group, and it is: Do you want to fly the colors? Are you and Argo very wisely? I like the way that Clint played this. That he's he wants to be there firsthand. He wants to get more mm-hmm. of a feel of what's going on. <laughs> he's gonna put on his gold pants. He's just in his small clothes right now. Clint <laughs> always has the best way of being like. Kind of a stuttery, goofy, like, oh <laughs> excuse me, character. Um, he plays that very, very well. He does. And yeah, they they go onto the the deck of the ship and I love the little details we get immediately of like seeing the cannons that have the lightning bolts on the side of yeah. like, oh, there it is, this is all connected to being a Thunderman.
1: Mhm. Yeah, and, and not just the the cannon, but the The Mariah is covered in like a bunch of armor yeah. and they've got a cool flag. that's like a black flag with a white Kraken on it. Tear the ship apart. And there's a fleet around him. It's not just, it's not just his ship.
0: Right. So immediately you're getting the sense of like a lot of power, like Mm -hmm. something big has happened and you now command a very, very large amount of power.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's not just the implication of the fleet is not just that he has all this power but also that there's a need for a fleet. Sure. You know, versus whoever they're chasing, which is sort of ominous in a weird Interesting. way.
0: Interesting. I like that thought. Yeah. Or it could be overkill. Because I was really trying mm-hmm. to picture the scene here and the fact that they can see the people on the other ship, like enough to kind of see their faces even in sketches yeah. that he yeah. was given. So I'm like, that tells me the ship is fairly close. And then it's like, it wasn't just overkill. Or is there some potential danger here on this other ship?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was definitely, it seemed in context like it was certainly a show of force. Yes. So not not necessarily, well, wasn't necessarily completely necessary. (laughs) There you go.
0: Exactly that. And regardless of whoever it is, they have been charged to fire on them. Mm -hmm. As we saw in Fitzroy's note, and as the, the first mate here is saying... And this is where everything pauses.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is really your moment where you can tell that this is some kind of dream or yes or vision. Because aside, even before it pauses, this is definitely the you have to take your final and you forgot to wear pants moment, right? <laughs> like that someone yeah. says <laughs> you you're told that you're not the understudy anymore and you have to go on stage and you realize you don't know any of the lines. Like it's mm-hmm. that it's definitely that.
0: Yeah, it's the dream you have when you are about to. When you have to give a final presentation for your class that you haven't been to all semester. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, by the way, if you're a person who's still in school, those dreams never stop. You continue to have
1: those <laughs> dreams. Or <laughs> the bearers of, of bad news. As it's I, true. Su- I suppose chaos is as well, <gasps> more or less. We are chaos. Yeah, because chaos is here doing pirate cosplay. All right. Which was a nice touch, I thought. Absolutely. I do like the kind of, we get like vague
0: descriptions of chaos and yet. Also specifics on Chaos's appearance. Mm-hmm. And I really like that.
1: And in Travis's description focuses so much on how they move, like right. how, how they walk and, and yeah. specifying like water. And I was sort of immediately like between that and the the pirate outfit, I was like, this seems really tailored, this appearance to Argo, that, that yes. there's some aspect of like focusing how you appear to someone Mm -hmm. on that person in particular, which I thought was interesting. Absolutely agree. Right.
0: Because even the way that Fitzroy first saw them didn't sound, it was not the same descriptors. No.
1: And then, then it raises an interesting question just from like a narrative standpoint of is that because chaos is changing to suit the person that they're talking to? Um, or is it just a difference in their perception? Right. Like, are we seeing them the way an outsider would, or are we seeing chaos the way that Argo would?
0: Right. Is it specifically through Argo's eyes? Yeah. I don't know. I like that, though. Regardless of how we do see chaos, they are here bringing some truth, some revelations for us as listeners, and mm-hmm. maybe even a little bit to Argo himself. Because this is where we learn Argo's actual motivation for wanting to get
1: close to the Commodore. Mm-hmm and so we we had discussed this as a possibility didn 't we several episodes ago
0: let 's say yes because i don 't remember and that makes i 'm I'm pretty, sure. <laughs> <I'm> pretty
1: sure i 'm pretty sure that I had talked about this, that I thought that the reason that uh, that Argo was so obsessed with the commodore. That he was interested in getting close to him to kill him, Mm. even though I don't think that we heard at another point in an episode anything about why that might be that there was. I don't think that they discussed this. This is one of those like awkward moments where because we talk about it so much, it's hard to remember (laughs) the nonsense that we came up with versus Uh the things that were in the show.
0: It's absolutely true. You do almost now 20 episodes of just focusing on this show, and you're like, wait, what do we say? What did they say?
1: It's a real Gary's Eyebrow situation.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It really is. Uh, but now we do know for sure that it did have to do with Shabri's death. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't remember if they say this specifically, but it's likely that whatever part the Commodore played was probably yeah. indirect.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was quite as obvious necessarily as, like, he didn't like send well, yeah, her out. On yeah, a... didn't didn't kick her off a boat or something. Yeah. Like it wasn't it wasn't quite that obvious. It was more indirect than that. I mean, Chaos does say, like, they've basically inferred this information, which is, I mean, Argo is so surprised that he says he didn't even tell his friends, but somehow Chaos knows. And it it does seem like Chaos does confirm, like, oh, no, this was an inference, like, I was listening and I heard a lot of different pieces and I put these pieces together and came to this conclusion.
0: Chaos also has their own podcast, yes, where they're like. Yeah, wait, I was
1: going to say, are we Chaos? Oh, no. I think we
0: are. (laughs) That's what Bernie's out doing right now. You yeah. did not mention the fact that Brittany's not here with us. <laughs> in case you hadn't noticed.
1: Brittany is in another dream sequence
0: uh, of her own. She's in another dream sequence. She is over talking to Gray, trying to like, see what can be done there. We'll worry about these boys over here. But yeah, I think I think we might have some uh, some reflecting on ourselves to do. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, from Chaos's standpoint, all of this is helpful and good. Right, because yeah. chaos is saying, like, "Oh, this is what you can have this this future this is not about you necessarily just getting power or just being evil, but your 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 possibility to get revenge and have everything that you want right if you and the Thunderman yeah. specifically fits let loose, so again, it's kind of like this right. is really about fits, though, isn't it? it oh comes back dear to it. poor Argo I
0: know of. Uh- Well, and Argo's learning, as Chaos says, like, I was hoping Fitzroy would have told you. So Mm -hmm. now here's one more thing that these boys are going to have to deal with as far as their interpersonal relationships go. But also, like, as Chaos is telling him about these things that Chaos feels that Argo desires, Argo says he doesn't know if he wants that anymore.
1: Yeah. And he checks about um, the Fearable because he knows something about what happens in this possible future to Fitz. But he doesn't know about his other friend. And he asks about him specifically. So Argo continues to be not necessarily a self-serving person, I guess that maybe that's the the gentlest way to put it, that he he is still interested in other people's needs, even if his actions don't always sure. quite play that out. Cause I mean, it took him a while to tell Fitz that he was spying on him. So
0: exactly. And you know, though, even as he was following Fitz, there was definitely, he felt guilty about it. He yeah. knew he was hoping he was doing it for a good reason, a yeah. greater good. Um And then the fact that he did come clean about it at all says something. And like you said, the fact that now he's asking about Fearbulg, and he's not even sure he wants to go through with seeking vengeance on the Commodore. Mm-hmm. I feel like all of that plays back into the relationship he has with the other Thundermen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he definitely is taking other people into consideration a lot yeah. of the time. Yeah. Even if it's not always immediately apparent, it's definitely there. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, I mean, Chaos chaos is kind of tipping their hand here, honestly. By even that's saying, right? you have influence on Fitz. Girl. And I'm like, Argo's not stupid.
0: He's no. He
1: definitely, he, and, and he's he doesn't want to just be a sidekick, and he doesn't want to just be sort of a footnote in other people's stories. And I think that saying, not just mm-hmm. you might hurt somebody, but also you're still going to be secondary. You're still secondary to me, because I really want to use you to get to your your friend. That that's yeah. not going to sit right with him.
0: Yeah. Chaos knows That the only way that this is going to happen is if they can get Fearbulg and Argo on board. Yeah. Because obviously there's something going on with Fitzroy. Obviously the focus is on Fitzroy. But it's almost like through happenstance or maybe on purpose. Again, don't trust anybody, including our own (laughs) ideas. Fitzroy has been surrounded with kind of a barrier of these two people that care about him and that he now cares about. We see that a little bit later, too. Mm -hmm. And... We know that somebody sent Fitzroy to Wiganstaffs. Did Argo and Bull get put with him on purpose? Mm-hmm. Or was it perchance and now that's working against whatever the bigger plot was? I don't yeah. know.
1: Yeah, I mean, whatever is going on, which is still a little unclear, mm-hmm. I-, I think Argo is not buying the timeshare <laughs> in the future no. that Chaos is selling. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's what I really like about this next moment where, you know, Chaos tells him all this stuff. You're seeing all these Great things you could have
1: mm-hmm.
0: you just have to let it happen, and even when that happens, when Argo's given the chance to not fire on the ship, he chooses not to fire, but he fires anyway,
1: yeah, it just happens. It just happens, but the
0: choice he made was to not do it. Mm-hmm. I feel like regard like whatever happens next, this is where you're like, okay, they're still holding on, and it's like, how yeah. long can
1: you hold on, yeah. I mean, I think the, the contrast, I mean, I, the, this probably was not chaos's intention or doesn't seem to be, but the contrast between what you now want to do and what your intent is versus seeing a version of yourself in the future that doesn't have the same concerns right? and would just kill these people outright. Right. I mean, that seems like a pretty strong case against this version of you and becoming that person.
0: Right. Well, and then that's where it's interesting this entire episode is like, Obviously, as we see with these boys, it's like you can get the thing you want
1: mm-hmm.
0: or that you think you want if you don't do the things that your gut is telling you to do. So it yeah. almost becomes this question of, are the things I'm doing holding me back? Yeah. That you're going to have to start asking yourself.
1: And, of course, the flip side of that is, do I have to sell my soul to get the things that I want? Right.
0: And the third question, is chaos full of shit? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Are these all just elaborate lies to get us to do what they yeah. want? Likely. <laughs> good chance. But we'll find out a little bit more as we happen upon a sleeping fearbug waking up, surrounded by beautiful nature in a cave.
1: On some nice moss, which is very,
0: like, his flush. idea of a good bed, apparently. <laughs> the plushest moss i imagine it to be a gorgeous cave around him you know mm-hmm. <laughs> like a beautiful cave
1: it's very like miyazaki i imagine
0: oh there you it's go really yes. pretty
1: watercolory kind of yeah perfect beautiful nature
0: mm. the kind of cave you could really see yourself living in with uh other fear <laughs> bogs?
1: The most important detail we would know, like, would be the most important thing for him, is mm-hmm. that not just are there other Fearbulg, but it's his clan.
0: It's his, right. He didn't just find some other clan to take him in. This is his clan. Mm-hmm. This is what he's been wanting. And not only that, he's apparently got a, a companion, and they mm-hmm. have two little rambugshas Fearbulgs <laughs> who I imagine are actually quite big compared to, like, yeah. little human standards, but <laughs> cute. Very cute.
1: Yeah, I I admit that my note here says, I came out to have fun and I'm honestly feeling so attacked right now, Travis. (laughs) (laughs) Travis, how dare you? Uh, It's the idea of these cute, he's got these cute little uh, kids, he's got his own family, he's got his clan back.
0: Well, and that's kind of an an attack on Justin directly. I'm like, that is where you get, like, you know, take a little bit of, like, real life to be Mm -hmm. part of the motivation for this guy's character. These men are all married and have their own family, so that could very Mm -hmm. easily be taken as a motivation for this person's character versus like I think if Mm -hmm. I were playing a character and you gave me that motivation I'd be like I mean okay (laughs) I guess but with Justin not that he like really shows it or they make a big deal of it but as I was listening to it I'm like yeah that makes sense that would be a very good motivation for the fear
1: I think that would be and he's the oldest brother I think I I would imagine that it might be the most relatable to him yeah. on some level to have this character transition from here I am with all my my friends Ooh, yeah. my like young dudes that I hang out with to here I am with my family and yeah. my community I think that is maybe an understandable kind of concept for an, an older person certainly yeah oh my god i can't believe it just is called justin older he's not that much older than me i'm so <laughs> sorry justin <laughs> i'm so sorry to both of us
0: <laughs> listen everybody's doing great we're all immortal beings and it's all great. i have to go
1: sign up for tiktok now <laughs> like just to balance it out
0: <laughs> smash cut to both of us wearing uh, well the gold pants but styled with like <laughs> anything that's the thing anything we would try to style ourselves in as beings who have been around for hundreds of years, I feel like would just age <laughs> us even more,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean uh, being being young is so passe we'll just go straight to immortal I'm, hey, and being that's what I've
0: embraced, and it's going well for me <laughs> i I recommend it. <laughs> So, you know, that's probably where Justin is, too. It's fine. Yeah.
1: And at least, like, in terms of where the fear bulb is at, this description that he gives when when Travis sort of asks him about, like, how he feels about it, I guess, more or less. He's loving it. uh, He says that he feels like twice as many people. I thought that was a really, like, a beautiful way to describe not just the concept of wanting to be whole in yourself, but, like, the, the only way that this character can be whole is in his community. Right.
0: So this is very clearly exactly what the Fear bug wants and needs. Like Mm -hmm. he feels like this is a part of him. This is what he's been missing. And even Justin, as the player, was happy to readily put everything about his (laughs) school life behind him and just live in this moment. He's not questioning any of it.
1: Anything to get away from capitalism, right? Exactly. <laughs> you don't I have mean... to worry about accounting in the woods.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's right. Well, and we do get a little bit more here. Um, we learn that this area mm-hmm. that he's living in is a protected natural, I don't know, like kind of a preserve. Yeah. That, that is being protected, in essence, by Fitzroy.
1: It's basically, it, he made a sanctuary for Yeah, them. But the And then we find out also that not only did he make them a sanctuary, but that the caveat was that his clan had to take the Fear back.
0: Yeah. And luckily, it does seem as though that even though it was like a stipulation, you had to you had to let this guy come join your party, <laughs> that it seems the other Fear did genuinely accept him back, you mm-hmm. know, and you see it in, even in the fact that he has a partner and children that he is once again a welcome Part of this
1: community. Mm-hmm. But it's not perfect because he was told that he couldn't break the code again. And now we know <sighs> we what happens. how uh, how he broke the code, that he was hoarding food. And he's uh, been doing it again because he was worried about his children.
0: Who among us, first of all? You know, you put a little bag of Cheez-Its in your desk drawer, obviously. <laughs> but apparently, yes, that it's something that seems so dismissive it seems so little but yeah. it really gives you a sense of then the fearbulg code
1: yeah i mean i think that it, it being hard for us to understand makes it more interesting i guess yeah of, and of, yeah
0: speaks to the fearbulgs in general
1: yeah they're they're different they have a different system and and i mean it's not just hoarding food sounds so bad like right. that you're taking it from other fearbulg or something but he isn't he's giving it to them without their knowledge right
0: He's essentially storing food. This is the act of, you know, mm. and they bring, they bring it up themselves, the fact that he's, it seemed like the logical thing to do. The yeah. seasons change. Food becomes scarce in some season and more plentiful in others. Why wouldn't you just save it during the harvest, essentially, and have it for later? But that's just not a thing that they do, which is going to be detrimental.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I thought they were such close friends with squirrels. I thought they would have been okay with storing some you know, food for the winter.
0: Yeah, you'd think they would have picked up some tips. But like you said, he wasn't just keeping it for himself. He, We we learn here, another fear Bulg is returning a basket to him and thanking him for berries that mm-hmm. he just happened to have. Where did you find them? And this is where the scene freezes again.
1: Mm-hmm. And we get another slightly different description of chaos. Yeah maybe a, a little shift. a little less obviously targeted at the furbulk specifically but still different right. again right
0: well and it was interesting cuz the descriptions for Argo was very like fluid mm-hmm. and again water, watery sounding whereas this one is a bit more it seemed more sturdy
1: yeah well and and the, uh, Travis does say um was I forget? it Was like the determination of a landslide. I forget. Oh, yeah, that I landslide wrote it down because it's yeah. so
0: good. They move towards you with the unstoppable purpose of a landslide, girl. Yeah, I want people to describe me that way. So
1: I mean, maybe it is still kind of targeted. And him specifically, this kind of, this idea of chaos being a force of nature mm. makes it seem more like something that you, you couldn't go against them. Yeah, I like that. Or that you shouldn't.
0: Yes. It's futile to try to.
1: Yeah. And chaos comes in really hot in this conversation, like pretty much yeah. immediately asking if the Firbolg still thinks... Not just was this decision that you made that got you initially kicked out of the clan. Like, did you hoard food and you felt that it was ethical is not really the point. It's did you feel like you had done something wrong? Right. Which is a really specific and different kind of question. Like, not did you feel like this was against the code, but did you feel wrong when you did it?
0: Right. Because the answer is technically, by their rules, it was wrong. Mm -hmm. However... In his heart, no, it wasn't wrong, because then you're able to feed people and yeah. provide for them.
1: Yeah, and I think his elaboration here is, it's honestly very sad. I mean, understandable, but very sad that he basically says, you know, his chaos is sort of pushing like, oh, you know, you could make things better. Or, right, that you could be he the one says, in charge. Yeah, and, and what he says is you can't, it's it's not up to him to fix this, that you can't you can't fix the code that he can't change either. So this is the only thing he wants, but I think in his heart this whole time, like, regardless of what Chaos does or doesn't show him or what kind of arguments they make, that he's known that he can't have this again. Yeah,
0: yeah, Fearbulk's situation is definitely the trickiest, because I feel like even the things that Chaos can offer him, it's not as clear-cut as, say, Argos, for instance, the fact that it's like, just go after... The thing you were going after. Keep Mm -hmm. pursuing the Commodore and let things fall into place where they will. Because with the Fearball, you have to offer him something that he never wanted in the first place. Yeah. Like, he wants his clan to be okay, but he doesn't want that to be because he takes control.
1: Yeah. Yeah, chaos is really pushing power to begin with, right? Which is completely the wrong tactic. And I'm like, were you even paying attention, chaos? Yeah, you were doing so well a lot well of attention
0: to Argo. With I Argo, think the fear bulk slipped <laughs> through.
1: <laughs> and then you know, it's sort of like, well, maybe if we sort of push a little further on, oh, but you know, bad things are going to happen, just sort of in a vague right. way, if you don't do this and and that. When he's pushed, what the fear bulk says is that the code is their identity and that right. if you change the code if you change any of that that then the whole sense of identity is gone
0: right it changes what the fear bulks are which then in return is like maybe then they have to change because it might just be the the evolution that has to take place in the fear bulgs. if the fear bulks stay the way they are now which is what our fear bulg is arguing mm-hmm. like i don't want to shift this entire identity of theirs but if you don't Then, chaos goes ahead and shows the worst-case scenario.
1: Yeah, that was rough.
0: It was really rough, because not only are there suddenly demons all over the place, and the woods are on fire, there's also just fear bulb bones everywhere.
1: Yeah. Real
0: horrifying stuff.
1: Very upsetting. Very, like, 1980s animation, really disturbing thing.
0: (laughs) Yes, the kind of stuff that you're like, we watched this when we were children, and nobody saw a problem with it. (laughs) exactly
1: that yeah i I mean i guess it makes sense that chaos would be unable to understand the idea of needing to be unchangeable because it's really the opposite of chaos like the fear is going to be the hardest person to make any of these arguments with even though he he is fundamentally a contradiction because he's saying i don't know who i am Or who any of us are if we change this code. But he's also already broken it. And he knew he broke it. And he didn't feel bad about it. So then he fundamentally doesn't know who he is either.
0: And that's the foothold that Chaos needs. That's the Mm -hmm. foothold that Chaos is hoping will be enough to bring him around. And by showing him this very upsetting scene. It actually gives another sense to a possible way to get Fearbulk on his side here. Which is, if you don't do what has to be done... Mm-hmm. then not only will the Fearbulgs not evolve in a way that is beneficial for them, but also the entire war against these demons is going to... It's not only going to take out your clan, they, they will win.
1: Yeah, there's definitely... Something really serious on the horizon, which I mean, they knew a little bit because yeah. obviously Gray was like, Hey, what's up? Let's have a war in six months. We made a date. But I guess, you know, it's kind of like preparing for a wedding where you don't really realize what you're getting into until you have yeah. to start ordering all this stuff and booking things, and then it's a nightmare.
0: Right. You see a vision of the future where everything's just on fire, and you're like, <laughs> What? No. I guess I should have taken that wedding more seriously. That's exactly what's happening here. <laughs> but I think that that speaks to Chaos's inability to pin the fear bulb down, because mm-hmm. if helping out your entire clan isn't enough to get you to break the rules and become this person who evolves them, mm-hmm. then will losing an entire war to a pack of demons be enough? I don't know. And again, I do want to call potential and probable BS on Chaos's part. We do know that the demons want a war. But we don't know to what extent, because already yeah. we discussed before that Grey seems to just want to be in a fight with Hieronymus all the time.
1: Yeah, it seems like what Grey wants is perpetuation yeah, of disorder versus, rather than yeah. like w- the whole world domination then I'm going to burn everything and then what do you do next kind of right. kind of evil, you know?
0: Right, So that's where it's interesting. That's where it's like, okay, there is another player on the field. Their name is Chaos. And who knows who they're telling what.
1: Chaos definitely has an agenda. Absolutely. And the poor Fearbulg when, you know, this is kind of the end of the conversation that they can have right now. And that the last thing that he sees is going back to the scene with this other member of his clan asking Mm. where the berries came from and he tries to tell the truth even though he knows what would happen if he did he tries to tell the truth he still tries to make the right decision and then again this version of him in the future is someone who can lie and not only lie but not feel bad about it right and i love chaos saying
0: practice makes perfect as if to show you just have to keep working on it (laughs)
1: Man, what a damning sales pitch for the fearbulk though. I mean, this is I the mean, exact opposite of anything he wants, I Right, think. right. It may be something he feels is inevitable, but it's certainly not what he wants.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, like we said before, I definitely think that the is the most um, conflicted. Mm-hmm. His is kind of the most complicated, just overall. Yeah. Um, And I'm interested to see what happens, because we know from Argo's asking that they are going to remember what happens here, so... Mm-hmm. I'm very interested to see the conversations that come after this. Yeah. But first, we need one more little sleeper to wake up (laughs) or continue dreaming. Waking dream, waking nightmare, waking vision. As Fitzroy, quote unquote, wakes up.
1: And of course, in like absolute five star accommodations, which He's... we knew this is the one the one feature that we could have <laughs> predicted would be that Fitz would wake up in a beautiful four poster bed with golden bed curtains.
0: Golden bed curtains. <laughs> it's a gorgeous sleep number bed set to sixty nine. He's surrounded by luxury. <laughs> this is exactly where you would picture
1: Fitzroy to be. Mm hmm. And I I do I do support that that. Travis's priority in describing the bed was that the the pillow was incredibly comfortable Mm. and that Griffin asked about the sleep number. These are definitely boys who have experienced hotel beds. (laughs) (laughs) True. Very true. You get much pickier about your bed options. This is a very important uh, point about anyone's vision of the future. (laughs) They travel a lot.
0: (gasps) Yeah. And I love the three different reactions we get from the boys like it's very obvious that you like it's three different players obviously but just mm-hmm. argo immediately was like wait does that mean? let me find a surface to look in the fear blog was like oh bye everybody else i'm good and Fitzroy's like this is probably a dream <laughs> but i don't want to wake up from it so i'm just gonna stay here
1: just gonna order breakfast real quick I'm just <laughs> while i'm here yeah
0: somebody bring me this ridiculous decadent breakfast that he just rattles (laughs) off only for us to learn that apparently this is how he starts every day
1: (laughs) in this world uh yeah, I mean, neither neither Griffin nor Fitzroy want to investigate this. They do not want to burst no. this bubble. They're just like, maybe I'll just have breakfast first and then I'll figure out if I'm trapped sure. by some kind of brain-eating demon. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> Might as well enjoy it in yeah, the moment. Yeah, live in the moment.
0: I've definitely had dreams like that where you're like, oh no, I can tell I'm dreaming, but I wonder if I can just keep myself asleep and keep enjoying it. Very, very rarely it works, but Fitzroy has the benefit of this being. A full vision. He can stand up, walk around. Oh, he sees. He has a note from Rainier. She's even gotten in on these these upgrades in the future. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, upgrade to to Lich Queen. I mean, depending on how you, what your opinions on liches are, but uh, you know, I think for her, it's a significant career advancement.
0: I think it sounds great. You do you, girl. And now, when she says, "Accept my proposal," the first time I listened to it, I thought. She meant like she wanted something from him. I didn't take it as like a literal let's get married, which is hilarious if that is what it was. Yeah,
1: I think I think that was what it was. I I, I had the same experience that the first time I was like, does she mean like battle strategies or something? Right. And then I was like, oh, no, wait, no, no. She she has right. been kind of low key hitting on him a little bit. <laughs> and I think this is definitely this makes sense that 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 uh, she might. Get to the point where she was like, cause doesn't she call him dearest or something at the beginning? Yes, or
0: like Fitzroy, my darling. Yes. Yeah, I
1: think it was my darling.
0: <laughs> it's Which, to me, I think that's the other reason when I heard it the first time I was like, oh, yeah, she just wants to like chat about, right, battle strats or something. Because that's how I talk to people. I call people terms of endearment all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, oh, no, okay, they meant it in like a flirty way. Which, I mean, I guess it always is a little bit, but I'm like, oh, they mean like legit mm-hmm. flirty way.
1: This tracks with me as a person that I didn't pick up initially that it was flirting, even in a, <laughs> even in a, an AU inside of a fantasy game.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Both of us, for our own reasons, are like, yeah, that's just normal. Like that's just what she's just trying to like <laughs> chat with her friend. No, she's trying to get it, girl. Which I do wonder if maybe now after this, he'll be like, well, huh? He's just like side eyeing Rainier at lunch. He's like, what <laughs> are you looking at? <laughs> that's the, that's how I want to see this play out from here on. <laughs>
1: A uh, little skeleton. One of the little skeletons could be the ring bearer. It'd Aww, be so sweet.
0: That's cute. <laughs> I love it. He would hate it. That's.
1: <laughs> it's Absolutely. No, he would despise it. Night, nightmare
0: town for him. <laughs> but as he moves around a little bit more, we do finally address the fact that he is a much taller boy.
1: He's Our got most few... important question.
0: <laughs> We've been dying to have them address it. They finally do. He goes to try on some cloaks. They all fit him perfectly. And Oh excuse me (laughs) this description of Fitzroy the idea of having brands all over him now for all of the curses that have been put on him shut up like that is so good that is good stuff I am here for this yeah
1: yeah just wandering around bare chested covered in brands swooshing his big boy cloak and has actual lightning like in his veins and his arms which is intense oh come on this is great Clearly
0: he learned how to harness his powers.
1: I'm not sure if destroying his own perfect bed to test his magic was Fair. was maybe his bed. I mean, at this point, I guess he figures it's a dream. It doesn't matter. It, it does sure. sound like even in this potentially fake future, this has happened before was kind of the implication that they yes. were sort of like, oh, we'll get on replacing he, your bed.
0: He did it again. All right. Just go get another one. They have, like, a full Ikea warehouse size thing of just the furniture they have to replace on the regular.
1: <laughs> They're single-handedly keeping Mattress Warehouse afloat.
0: <laughs> well, and I think that that leads to, then, the Fitzroy we know, mm-hmm. who is, like, obviously he's he's got his problems. But he's also weak. At least I get the sense that he's trying. He's not... Especially after we learned from his time in night-night school is that this is a persona he adopted. Mm -hmm. This is – or the unlikable parts of his persona. Maybe the – maybe not unlikable, but the more difficult parts of his persona – are things that he adopted for himself. And now you see this future and you're like, okay, so is this a person who has leaned in fully?
1: Yeah, it does seem worryingly that that might be the case. Yeah, In current Fitz's defense, at this point he thinks it's a dream. So he's indulging in a fantasy of having everything he wants and having people who wait on him. So that doesn't necessarily reflect on his character. But this future version of him kind of does, doesn't it? Yes.
0: Well, and that's exactly where I was thinking, is the fact that our fits in this moment is like oh well it's a dream so it doesn't matter but then the reaction being oh of course you blew up your bed this is just something you do Mm -hmm. oh of course people are going to wait on you hand and foot this is just what we do and the fact that he's got this power just coursing through him suggests that when you look at it apart from our Fitzroy that we all know and love, is being like, oh, have you turned into an awful, awful person mm-hmm. who is abusing his power regularly?
1: Yeah, and I have to admit, it does not sound promising because no. when they come to get him, I mean, they're, they're talking about insurgents again. This yeah. is clearly a running theme. And this kind of background hum in this fantasy future, it seems like maybe the piece is not something that everybody is enjoying right. or in support of. And right. That means you have to question, like, what is Fitzroy actually doing? How is he ruling? Is he is he good at it? Is he yeah. a kind person? Uh, I mean, I you know, we'll set aside for the moment, like the idea of royalty fundamentally being flawed, but sure. But you know, if you want to have a fantasy version of that, where like, oh no, it's fun and everybody loves it, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's definitely like, I mean, because he goes into the throne room bare chested, mm-hmm. hell yeah, and girl. apparently they have a setup. To just shackle people to the floor, like, in the middle of the throne room. That is a bad sign. It's
0: a big red (laughs) flag right there. Yeah.
1: This is not a good thing. Yeah,
0: it's not the most promising. And I think, you know, because, of course, as you're listening to this, you go, wait, are you the villain? Which, Mm -hmm. of course, yes, technically he is. So is this that the idea of villainy has become less of a show? Yeah. Because we learned there was an actual... War. We know there was the demon war, but then it seems there was also a civil war to mm-hmm. overthrow him, which also speaks volumes because why is he a ruler now mm-hmm. when he was only trying to become a knight?
1: Yeah, he was just trying to. So they were trying to win the war with Grey, which apparently yeah. happened. And then there was another war that right. was him trying to forcibly unify Nua. And it doesn't seem like that went great for people. So it's no. kind of like, yay, you saved us. Wait, what now? <laughs> like, Right. At um, what cost are we
0: now, quote, saved and, quote, united? Yeah. Which I think, you know, I mean, is a bigger question for multiple things in the real world. Mm-hmm. And as far as this fantasy goes, I think just by default you hear this and you sympathize with the person who is now chained to the floor, of this throne room, yeah, and it sounds like Fitzroy kind of does too.
1: Yeah, I think chaos cuts doesn't chaos cut this person off just as they're about to sort of like, or the one of the the guards cuts them off when they're starting to say like, oh, your your guards, the king's guard killed a bunch of people. Yes. So there's some there's some bad, really news really bad news. under the veneer of this, right?
0: Because on the surface, at a glance, oh, these dreams look great, but. At what cost do you get this lavish room and mm-hmm. your sleep number bed? Because once more, here comes the person to discuss it with you. <laughs> it's chaos.
1: Yet looking different again. Yeah. Like angular and sort of predatory, which doesn't seem promising.
0: No. But Fitz is used to them by now. Fitz is able to be like, hello, how, how have you been?
1: Mm-hmm. And almost immediately starts pushing about... Uh, what does what Griffin say? Uh, uh, like, you're trying to ride two horses with one ass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is the perfect way to describe it, and a very funny way, and I appreciate that mm-hmm. both calls were made. Um, but it's true. I am glad that he comes right out and is like, now hold on, because I just talked to your other son, Gray. Yeah. And it sounds like you're working with him, too.
1: Yeah, there's definitely, I mean... You don't really want your ally to also be working with your enemy, I would say, just in yeah. general. Like, no matter how much they're like, ha I'm chaotic, you know, this is definitely... LOL, I'm so random. <laughs> seems like it could work out badly for you.
0: <laughs> yeah, it really does. Well, and then this is where we get some more insight into kind of exactly what we were saying before with this, this sense of instability that seems to have come from... This, quote, time of peace that it seems that Fitzroy has ushered upon Nua Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and that this is what chaos would want. There's chaos, of course, in war, but then there can be just as much chaos, if Mm -hmm. not more, in the forced ruling that comes afterward.
1: Yeah, and and chaos also refers to a cycle, so I think chaos yes. is okay with things kind of being, you know, war and then peace and then war and then like that's that's yeah. they're down with that. Right. Maybe it's sort of like a sweet and savory kind of thing that mm. you want to have both and kind of alternate. Of it's course. It's not. We know so little about chaos still. Right. Um. And and I mean, mostly what they're sort of pushing here is that to stop worrying about right and wrong. So like to, to yeah. move away from their ethical compass. And and that could not be just like I want you to stop worrying about doing the right thing, but right. maybe they're frustrated with Gray intentionally trying to do the wrong thing. Mm. Like maybe that even that is boring because that in itself is a form of order of like trying to be evil. Yeah sure because then you still have a code it's just a different code i guess
0: right and this kind of goes along perfectly with what we said before about gray is that his desire to fight hieronymus is like a hugely scaled up version of the play of hero Mm -hmm. versus villain so if it's just another play then that's not that's not chaotic that's understood there are rules there are there's a system in place so, of course, Chaos wouldn't want that. Yeah. Oh, and before we get too far away from it, I do have a note here, just because I loved it so much. Um, The fact that Fitzroy thought to ask about Fearbulgan Mm-hmm. it's never a guarantee, so I appreciated that he did.
1: Yeah. I think that was an important piece of information about where he's at, really, yeah, with his character. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Because early on, I could see that not being the case. But now, once again, I think every part of this with each of these boys, and maybe the bigger story in general, I think an underlying theme mm-hmm. for all of it, I think it's going to come back to the power that these three have together. Yeah, with each other.
1: Yeah. And I think they're all struggling to find their identity. Yeah, especially their identity is as, as they relate to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, because they they all have, that is the one unifying thing about all of their character backstories that Fitz was pretending to be ...someone cooler and more heroic than he was. Yeah. And the Fearbulg was trying to figure out how he fits if his society is the only thing that matters to him, but there's something fundamental about him that goes against that society. Right. Um, And and Argo, I think, has defined a lot of his life around revenge for someone who isn't there anymore, which is a complicated way to have an identity and ultimately a destructive one.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really thoughtful and succinct way of putting it. And we see a little bit of that, even in the way that Argo responded to chaos, which was not necessarily out of fear. Mm -hmm. He was the first one to give us the response of, I know that's what I thought I wanted, but he's already second guessing Mm -hmm. going after the Commodore. And so I think that that is a telling thing to their time together. And like we keep saying, you know, this relationship that the three of them have built, I would guess it's absolutely the influence that each of them have had on each other that would make him now feel maybe differently than he did at the start of the school year. And about the things that he ultimately was hoping to get. And I absolutely think that goes for all three of them.
1: Yeah. And the end of this scene is that Fitzroy has the opportunity to use this power that he's been given. Yeah. This, and, you know, I mean, he, he had talked about that, of that kind of enjoying being feared. Right. On some level. Like, I mean, it was a little more complicated than that, but that that this should be, for him, some kind of fantasy, but that it's not just that he refuses to punish this person but he makes it kind of like a joke
0: like i'm going to
1: sort of yell at you but not really like it's it's it he doesn't give chaos anything that they want out of this
0: no he will not i think that this is that picture again of real fitzroy the fitzroy who puts on airs and knows it's fake this is Mm -hmm. what he really would do is say oh i have to punish this person fine (laughs) you're very bad don't do it again also i'm gonna have a party and not invite you (laughs) Which is very preteen, and it's kind of how he is. He's immature, and he doesn't want to actually hurt this person.
1: He's still rejecting this power yeah. that he knows he has.
0: That's exactly it. Which I will say, to Griffin's credit, I could have seen Fitz leaning in mm-hmm. and going along with what Chaos wanted him to do in this moment without fighting back. Yeah.
1: I mean, he did try to fly earlier, so he he knows it's a fantasy. It doesn't have to be, you know, this is just between them.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's where Fitzroy, obviously, all of these boys have such interesting motivations and complex feelings and, you know, what what they're bringing to the table. And I think that's where Fitzroy is so difficult is because he's on the brink of this really great power Mm -hmm. that, again, like Argo, he thinks he wants... But then it's like, do you lean into it when you're able to? And in what ways do you lean into it? Yeah. So luckily right now he's still our sweet idiot who's just going to threaten <laughs> you by not inviting you to his party that you know is going to be dope. So uh, that's a pretty good
1: threat. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, and Fitz is still clearly the most important yes, figure in one. all of this to Chaos. Like he, he is obviously this fulcrum upon which everything else is going to turn. That's our boy. And I was thinking about that and thinking about not just the arguments that Chaos makes in this episode, but... The themes that they keep trying to hammer home mm-hmm. about letting loose, and I kept thinking, well, okay, so they're an embodiment of chaos. Of course, they want people to not question their actions and just sort of do stuff, yeah, go and with have it. it be, you know, well chaotic. Mm-hmm. But then it also made me think. So Fitz's power is, it's not just that he's really powerful, right? His power is different. And it comes from this wild magic that is somehow connected to the Godscar chasm. And we still don't know why it's there or what it's for or how it figures into the story. And and something about the constant repetition of letting loose, Mm -hmm. which I know is like a good euphemism for, you know, (laughs) these ideas. But at the same time, I was like... Is chaos trapped? Mm. Is that what the end game is here? That chaos wants out of somewhere. That there is mm. something, something keeping order in the land beyond just the actions of individual people. That there are forces, ah. larger forces at play here. Because if there's chaos, I mean, you can assume there are some other kind of. Uh, You know, anyone who presents, yeah, who presents as a deity or something that's more than just the people who live in Nua. Yeah. Um, Something more powerful than that or older than that. Yeah. And I did wonder, like, man, you do kind of start to wonder. Chaos definitely has a goal here. And Mm -hmm. I think it is more than just causing more chaos. I think I'm I'm starting to wonder if that might be. And I may be completely wildly off base. And in, like, ten episodes, we're going to say, wow, that was super wrong. But... (laughs) The, I'm like really wondering though. if Fitz is the one with the key, like in a more literal sense, to let chaos loose. Yeah. I mean, I
0: I think this is a really good theory. Because even if you think about it on the scale of, we had, once again, thinking back to the Zorn mm-hmm. in the caves, and the fact that that was a breakdown between...
1: Like the walls between the dimensions. The
0: realms, the dimensions, Yeah. yeah. And so that made me wonder, because we know that there's a plane wherein deities of some sort reside. So it's like, are you, is that where chaos is from? Is Mm -hmm. chaos a deity? Are you on this ethereal plane? I forget which plane it's on. But regardless.
1: Chaoses only appear to them when they're unconscious, which kind of implies that that's the only way they can appear.
0: So maybe they are on this other plane. But in that case, right, it begs the question, are there other entities?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It definitely feels like there's something thematically here happening about connections between them and the place where some of this power lives and about yeah. things trying to break through those barriers. So I I yeah. personally think that maybe chaos has been imprisoned. I like this idea. And then maybe
0: they're in the Godscar chasm.
1: Maybe yeah,
0: or if the Godscar chasm is somehow uh, its own link to someplace else, I don't know
1: it's like uh well, I don't know if you watched those Doctor Who episodes where there was like a crack mm-hmm. in reality there was a crack in reality in some of the the, the Matt Smith episodes I won't say more than that uh okay. for, the, for the sake of spoilers, but sure um yeah that that I'm idea of of maybe it being some kind of break between their established reality and somewhere else where this power is coming from ooh.
0: Yeah, I think since they mentioned – ever since they mentioned the fact that the Godscar chasm only showed up 50 years ago, but Mm -hmm. everybody thinks it's been here forever – I've been wanting these boys to get over to the Godscar Chasm. Yeah.
1: I and mean, plus, it's called the Godscar it's Chasm. It could have been the like chasm. the super weird canyon over there that nobody talks about or something. You know, or I mean, they've it got the unknown been, forest. Yeah. Like, their sort of nomenclature is maybe okay with being vague. And that seems yeah. really specific. Right. I mean, we named it the Grand Canyon. I mean, like, that's nothing. <laughs> that's like, yeah. it's so vague.
0: Right. Just throw some quick shade at the Grand Canyon. Godscar <laughs> Chasm, though, like you were just saying, the name itself might be a hint as to something Mm -hmm. i can't wait to find out more which i don't know if that's gonna be (laughs) this coming week two weeks from now
1: unclear at this time
0: (laughs) currently unclear regardless this was a fun little surprise Mm -hmm. and whenever the next one is of course we will be here to discuss it but for now come with me everybody over to the polls. Oh wait, this one's not done yet. So, <laughs> as of this recording, last our previous poll still has some time on the clock and it's too close to call it early. So, we're going to do another poll and we'll just give the results for as many as we stack up whenever we're here together and have answers. <laughs> so this time, what detail is most prominent in your fantasy future? We'll have that pull up over on our Twitter at RomancingZone. And we will see you when we see you. Don't know when that'll be, but we'll be here. Can't wait to talk to you. Till then, take care of yourselves. Please take care of each other. And thank you for joining us. I'm Mel Bailey. And I'm Anne Kern. And we've been Romancing the Zone.